Hello, and welcome to a new Star Wars Legends podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy, and unfortunately, Dylan decided he wasn't going to answer my texts, so this is the first episode without Dylan, but that's okay. I got Ryan Kennel from RK Outpost. How you doing, Ryan? I am doing fantastic, Jeremy. Thanks for having me here. I appreciate it. Uh, it's a beautiful Sunday morning out here in California. There's no fires by me, so I'm still breathing fresh air. So it's wonderful, man. Pleasure to be on. Thank you. Thank you for joining me on such kind of short notice, kind of not. <laughs> yeah, no, it wasn't too bad. I I do have kind of a lot of things going on, so we kind of had to work out a time frame that worked for me. But uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm really happy I could be here. All right, Ryan. So typically when we have a Legends podcast, I ask uh, my new guests what got them into the expanded universe that we love so much. Awesome. Well, uh, I've definitely talked about that a couple times on my channel. Um, and I think that a lot of people around my age have a pretty similar story. So I was, you know, I was, I'm 30 years old right now. Um, so in 1999, when The Phantom Menace came out, I had seen the original trilogy. We had it on VHS. I think we actually had like the special edition ones um, that were released. So I remember, you know, watching those. I liked them fine. You know, um, I wasn't like super into them, but I liked them fine. Mm-hmm. When episode one came out, I saw it in theaters and I absolutely loved it. Um, I was 11 years old at the time. Uh, I was totally into it. And so my mom in a, one of those scholastic magazines that you get at school that you bring home and you check what you want. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, all that. There was the Jedi Apprentice books. And so my mom bought me a couple of those. So that's the young uh, young Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon. You know, I think Obi-Wan's supposed to be about 12 or 13 years old there when yes. he becomes Qui-Gon's Padawan. And I loved those books. So we bought, like, more of them. And I was reading them. Um, I was reading them when we were on a trip visiting my uncle one time. My uncle sees that. He's like, oh, Star Wars books, huh? I think I have something you might like. And he goes to his bookshelf, and he pulls out the Thrawn trilogy, Heir to the Empire. And I started reading it, and it's you know I haven't looked back since. There you go. Now, you do a little book club. Um, I, I don't think you host it, but you, you were a part of a book club actually talking about Heir to the Empire. Uh, yeah, we uh, we started uh, an expanding universe book club. Um, there's there's a couple members. It's it's a rotating thing. So uh, the heir to the empire one was on Lethal Lightning's channel. The review coming up in about two weeks from now on November sixteenth on my channel will be Dark Force Rising. Uh, we're doing them a couple weeks at a time, giving people a chance to read through them. Uh, Callum, Callum Johns and uh, Evan, the Holocron Keeper, um, are the other two people we'll probably be rotating around their channels when we do these. And it's mostly geared towards people who haven't uh, read the Star Wars Expanded Universe before or haven't read these stories in a while and just want to take part in an awesome group discussion. Awesome. So, so- yeah, so what we do is, you know, we'll go ahead, we'll be on the panel, and we'll kind of give our thoughts about the book, and then we'll bring in panelists throughout, most of them who it's their first time reading it, kind of just to give their thoughts and experiences. And it's been it's been really awesome. We have a ton of people who are getting into the Expanded Universe for the first time, which is one of the reasons I started my channel. So it, it, it's been great. That's awesome. And... Uh... I had some suggestions for when you're done with the Thrawn trilogy. Oh, yeah? What, what do you got? I think you should go into the Hand of Thrawn duology. 
Well, I, I do think that a lot of people are going to want to go there. Um, and it does make sense. We obviously have uh, one of the things we wanted to do when we started this is because some people were like, well, you should really just do it chronologically or, you know, you should really start at Truce at Bakura. And I, I get that. Um, and that, that makes a lot of sense. But we kind of wanted to give everyone the best opportunity to like really stay engaged in this mm -hmm. over the long haul. So I kind of thought that that was a really good way to start something that the vast majority of people are really going to like. Um, so we will kind of see where we go from there, but handed duology is definitely one of those things that a lot of people are interested. It's obviously well connected to the Thrawn trilogy. So we'll definitely be taking a look at that. I also find that Darth Plagueis is a good place for uh, people to jump on because not only does it enhance the viewing of the Phantom Menace, it also kind of gives a summary of everything that happens in that era, as well as the Old Republic. But you don't have to know everything in order to get uh, get something from it. Yeah, I 100% I agree. You know, and I... You know, I just told you how I really got into Star Wars was episode one. Um, obviously, looking back on it, I can see a lot of uh, if flaws with the film, but I still have a ton of love for it every <laughs> time I watch it. But Darth Plagueis does make it so much better. It makes it so much deeper, and you really understand all the machinations that are going on to lead up to this moment. So it's really cool, and that that is a great one. Another one that uh, I think is good for people to kind of get started in if they're like especially if like anakin skywalker is your favorite character or darth vader that dark lord trilogy when you have you know labyrinth, labyrinth of evil, evil revenge of the sith novelization and dark lord rides of darth vader those are really good books too if people are interested in that prequel you know revenge of the sith kind of era yeah i mean personally i think i'm in the minority of i'm not a fan, big fan of matthew stover at all um and I f I'm not a big fan of the Revenge of the Sith novelization, but, like, I get why people like it. Um, I'm personally more um, attached to The Phantom Menace by Terry Brooks. Yeah. But, but that also yeah, comes one. from being a huge uh, sort of Shannara fan. And seeing him write Star Wars is very fascinating to me. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm not aware of any of his other work, um, but I do have the I do have the Phantom Menace novelization. I, I like Matthew Stover. I really do like that Revenge of the Sith novelization. Uh, same kind of thing with Plagueis. Is it? It provides so much more depth to every interaction and everything that's going on, as as the books do, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, when we when we have a book, you know. I, I don't really time how long it takes me to read a book, but when you look at the audiobooks, you can see, you know, you're looking at like 12 to 14 hours for a lot of the unabridged books. Yeah. You know, that's so much more time than two hours when you get in a movie. So it can go deeper. Exactly. Um, I mean, like, I could just go through the list of things I've already reviewed and say, oh, you should, uh, you should review them on your show, but that would take forever. So, <laughs> yeah. Do but we want to get, you know, oh, go on. Oh, and, you know, obviously it's, uh, we can't get anything through through anything too fast because we want to give people enough time to read. We know people have busy lives. Not everyone has read these books, you know, 10 times or whatever. Like, like yeah. I probably have the Thrawn trilogy. So, you know, my rereads end up being a little quicker um, than a lot of other people are kind of like experiencing it for the first time. But, yeah, man, it, it's good. We've got a lot of positive reception. We're looking forward to, you know, keeping it moving in the future.
Yeah, I'm I'm excited for it personally. <laughs> um, I had a great time listening to it. It was I was uh, cooking some dinner and I was like, oh, I remember this and that and like, oh, I haven't thought about that in years. Yeah, well, one of the things that I, as I was like going back and looking at him, because you know we we it gets talked about a lot because um, obviously is you know kind of it's it's it started it all right. <laughs> um, it really started this whole EU ball rolling. But uh, the titles of all three of those novels can have a lot of different meanings depending on your perspective, especially as you're reading through it. Mm-hmm. So, so heir to the empire, you know, you see that cover and you're like, oh, they must be talking about that crazy looking Jedi dude. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they're talking about Grand Admiral Thrawn. And then somebody brought up, well, they're trying to abduct, you know, Leia's children. You know, what if... What if they mean they're going to be the heir to this empire if they can get the children turned into dark? I'm like, God, I even hadn't even thought about that. Yeah. And then you get to Dark Force Rising, and obviously you have the Dark Force, the Katana fleet, but then you also have the the Dark Force of uh, Jura Sabaoth, you know, that's becoming more and more prominent in the book. And then you get to the Last Command, and obviously at the end we realize that was Thrawn's last command when he tries. Uh, when he ambushes the Republic, mm-hmm. but also you have the last command of the emperor in Mara Jade's head. So it, it was just, it was so interesting. I'd never thought about that before I started rereading this time. Yeah. I haven't ever thought of that either. Yeah. I mean, what's always sticks in my mind is the, uh, the conclusion to the last, uh, the last command with, uh, Luke fighting Luke. Luke. Yeah. Uh, which is so stupid. And the, because I read the comic books first before I read the novels and uh, they do not call him Luke. They just call him Skywalker's clone. I think is the terminology they use in that. And so I put it, uh, we did an episode, a few episodes back. I put it in my top five greatest lightsaber battles ever. Hmm. Because it's, it's one of my faves mainly for nostalgia's sake. Yeah. I do, uh, I do like the comics. I, I definitely prefer the novels. Um, mm-hmm. I, one of the things I guess I don't like about the comics is that the art in them. I'm not. Yeah, a huge Last fan. Command is the only one that has like stellar art, in my opinion. Air mm-hmm. of the Empires is very '90s, very early '90s specifically. Um, th- it reminds me a lot of Dark Empire. Was the same way if you've ever read yes. Dark Empire. Dark Empire has awful awful stylized art uh, i don't understand why in dark empire it seems like every page they just decide to shade it all one color like it just randomly be green like yeah everything will be green. for all three like of them are like that too i don't get it i do not understand dark empire is just weird it's a it's a weird weird concept just based on something mark hamill wanted to do with return of the jedi well and uh you know obviously you know even though some people at you know Lucasfilm didn't want to continue the Star Wars expanded universe. Um, they're obviously taking ideas from that now in you know, episode <laughs> nine. So yeah, very interesting how that works. And I remember you know it, it was so funny in 2014 when uh, the EU you know got decanonized and discontinued, and people were like, well, good thing now we don't have to deal with silly things like Palpatine coming back. How ridiculous was that? And all these people are now writing articles about the hype behind episode nine. It's just a joke. Yeah, it kind of embarrassing. Kind of very embarrassing. Oh, God. 
Oh man, uh, for I forgot all about that. I remember they hated the Sun Crusher, and that's kind of what Starkiller Base is. Um, they hated all of the super weapons back in the day that were that plagued Bantam. Which, I mean, to be fair, like it got old after a while. That's why Bantam stopped writing the books. You know. Yeah, yeah, I, I do agree. the The super weapons were, um, you know, especially in Jedi Academy trilogy. All of a sudden, you have a, a skeleton of a Death Star, and you have a Sun Crusher, which is the ultimate Death Star. And then the World Eaters, and yeah, the World Devastators. Yeah, that's what they're called. I had a poster of that. Like, I had a promotional poster of Dark Empire 2, and it had those on there. And Luke was wearing the half Darth Vader suit. If you, do you remember oh, that? Yeah, I do. I've seen that before. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're beautiful. The That was one. They were all done by Dave Dorman, one of my favorite artists, who did tons and tons of um, Star Wars covers. For, like, the comics and stuff. He actually did the interior art. If you've ever read the William C. Ditt's Dark Forces trilogy, he did Jedi Knight, the third part of that trilogy. He did all the interior art and the cover for it. Oh, very cool. I don't I don't think I've ever read those, but uh, they're, yeah, I'll have to check them out. They're very strange. They, uh, there's a talk of putting Tusken Raiders, moving him from Tatooine onto another planet. That's in there. There's weird... It's weird. It's EU that's, like, in that infantile stage where they still did like mystic magic and stuff is kind of in that too. Like the Sith magics. Oh yeah. That we kind of end up getting, you know, delving a little deeper into as the EU goes on. Yeah. And, and then we, they back away for a while into a, a lot of people have different opinions on the, uh, like Sith, whether it be Sith alchemy or um, you know spells or whatever it may be, I, I know I, I heard a lot of people that had an issue with uh, Darth Zana. Not not a lot. I'm talking about like five percent people, but that had an issue with like Darth Zana because of her uh, you know Sith sorcery or Sith alchemy powers. Well, she needed to have that. She get wrecked otherwise. And it's yeah, the only reason. Oh, if we can get into spoilers of Dynasty of Evil, it's the only <laughs> reason she won. <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and uh i think it is you know darth bane is obviously you know one of the the most epic sith one of the most powerful dark side users that we see come to life mm-hmm. on the books on the pages of the expanded universe so and when you look at the whole theory of the rule of two you know in order to take over you need to have someone that's more powerful in one way or another mm-hmm. and you know zana zana proved that she was capable because i mean he's physically one of the greatest, like, I don't want to say duelists because he's not the greatest duelist. He's just physically superior to, to most of the Sith we see in the, in the rule of two going forward. Well, I think that by, I, I do agree. And like in that second, uh, what is it? Uh, rule of two. Is yes. that the second book? Yeah. Yes. Um, in that one, you kind of see, uh, you see that Bane is, he does kind of just become an animal because he's protected by the Orbalisks. So he doesn't yeah. need any finesse. He doesn't need any. He just powers through everybody, like in that duel with uh, the Jedi and Tython. Number one oh. duel of all time, in my opinion. 
Oh, it's awesome. Oh. And especially how he ends up getting tricked at the end. Not tricked, but the the Ithorian master, I forget his name, but you know, puts that bubble around him. It, and, uh, yeah, just nearly kills him. Yeah. But you you see that I think in Dynasty of Evil, you see more like, you know, ten years has passed that I think that he's become a incredibly accomplished lightsaber duelist. He's still obviously overpowering, but he learns to live without that orbalisk armor. Mm-hmm. And uh, Zana is obviously incredibly skilled. And I, I thought it was cool how she had the double bladed lightsaber that with the shortened ends. Yes. Um, yeah. It, it just almost everything about that series. I, I really enjoy. I do think it starts off incredible. And I think the other two books have a lot to live up to with path of destruction. Yeah, my, awesome. my problem with Path of Destruction is not, I think it's a solid book. It's the fact of how it contradicts Jedi versus Sith, the comic, which I don't like in general. Jedi versus Sith, I think, is a very terrible, terrible comic, which is, oh, it, yeah. yes. it, it is awful. I reviewed it years ago, years ago. Um, it's very kitty looking. It's got really goofy art, but it's like this graphic, violent thing. Because I love that that battle is so fascinating to me, where they've they would just destroy the Jedi and Sith destroy that planet, just by just continuously killing one another on it and just sieging it. Yeah, well, I think they t- they talk about that. I think they do a good job kind of describing that in. Um what's it called in, in path of destruction and, and in the aftermath too, mm-hmm. kind of describing how the populace felt about what happened and they changed the climate of the place. Yeah. I mean, they desolate, uh, they, they just destroyed it. I mean, the, the Valley of the Jedi is created basically during that. Yeah. And which there, there will go into dark, which becomes a thing in dark forces. <laughs> yeah. Well, now that was, so, Dark Forces came out before either of those com- or uh, uh, the Jedi vs. Sith comic, right? Uh, comic the first out, like, Dark 2000. Forces game, yes. That came out in like 97, 98. Uh, I, actually, I think both of them did, yeah. Yeah, Je- yeah. because Jedi Knight uh, Dark Forces 2 came out before that. That's the one with the live-action cutscenes, which were yes, a yes. huge deal at the time, even though they're terribly acted. But, like, they're cutting-edge effects for the time. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Um, there is definitely a big difference between uh, Dark Forces 2 and uh, Jedi Knight 2, Jedi Outcast. Um, it's, like, leaps and bounds different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, of course, Jedi Academy, which, is, in my opinion, is the best of that whole series. I completely agree, although I don't... Uh, I, I don't like Jaden Core as a protagonist as much as I like Kyle Katarn. You do get a lot of Kyle Katarn still. You get a lot of Luke Skywalker. Um, See, and you get a lot of choices in uh, you know how you want to be a Jedi. See, I've never read any of the Jaden Core stuff where he he it's he's he right in the yeah, yeah, yeah. in the book. I made him mm-hmm. a she when I played when I played through <laughs> Jedi Academy. So I get the two mixed up. Uh, um, I've never read Scourge or Crosscurrent or Riptide, which, as I recall, are all Jaden Core. Like, prote- he's the protagonist of those. 
Um, I don't remember in Scourge, uh, but yeah, definitely Crosscurrent and Riptide. And those are interesting books. They're different, but they're interesting. I think it's Paul Kemp that writes Yeah, those. Paul S. Kemp wrote them, yeah. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. Which he, he's a pretty good writer. Very underrated. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Um, the writing style is different. The storytelling is different. We didn't get introduced to time travel, like legit time travel, I think, in Crosscurrent. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, it's not. Is it, it flow walking? No, 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 no. Because I don't consider flow walking time travel. Um, but, uh, yeah. oh, sorry. Sorry, what was I going to say? Um, yeah, but it's like, so like 5,000 years BBY, you have this like Sith, uh, this huge Sith ship that its hyperdrive malfunctions. And I forget exactly what the piece of machinery is, but essentially when you're going into hyperspace, you're kind of breaking the space-time continuum. Yes. And th there's a device that prevents you from doing exactly that and traveling in time. Mm -hmm. And it malfunctions, and they jump forward into the future, you know, thousands of years. And uh, so you have, a, you have like an old Jedi who, if I... It's been a long time since I've read. It. I think that a Jedi like Master, a Jedi Knight, who happens to be who happens to tr get caught up in this and travel with them, is still using like a power pact. Um, oh like yeah, it would be five thousand. It would have been after the Sith War, which would follow the Sith Empire. Yeah. So okay. I, if yeah. I'm not, it's been a while since I've read it. But if I'm not mistaken, that does happen. And uh, yeah, so it's, it is a very interesting, a uh, different story. And it's just a standalone, you know, self-contained novel. Yeah, isn't that, isn't it Cross Current and Riptide, they're a duology, and then it goes into Millennium Falcon, and then it's Fate of the Jedi? Um, or does Cross Current and Riptide happen after Fate of the Jedi? Uh, well, they definitely happen before. Well, I guess Cross Current, maybe not. Um, let, me, let me see, I'll open up a book right here. <laughs> And get my timeline. Um, I guess the one I should probably open is Crucible. 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 Oh, Crucible. Because because that would be the uh, the most up to date. What are your thoughts about Crucible? I have not read Crucible. Ooh. Well, because I guess I'll have to ask you later then. I was very hyped for Crucible and Kenobi, and my mom said pick one for your birthday, and I picked Kenobi. What do you think? I love Kenobi. Kenobi's incredible. Yeah, um, it's very good. It's, uh, it's in my top five best books, best Star Wars books I've ever read. I mean, hmm. it's, it's a Western with Obi-Wan. I mean, that's, it, that, that's so awesome. <laughs> it is, and it's very very low stakes. Yeah, you know and mean, like... In the grand scheme of things. And, which, is a, which, is a, which is a departure uh, from, you know, the, the last couple years of you know star wars expanding universe where the stakes kept getting so big yeah um, it, especially yeah. the post jedi stuff mm -hmm. um, for sure it's almost draining sometimes with yeah. with that sort of thing uh, and it's nice to have something like kenobi where that the state there aren't that many like i mean the stakes are high for him but it's not a galactic like incident happening yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's it's so it's watching Obi-Wan Kenobi try to not be a Jedi, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and and him trying to talk to Qui-Gon and him 
his isolation and like early on isolation before, because we know he does talk to Qui-Gon because that's how the last of the Jedi young adult series begins. He talks Mm -hmm. to Qui-Gon as I recall, been a long time since I read that. And you know, the, him dealing with his failures. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it's tough. It's tough to see a character that we we obviously know Obi Wan's story, mm-hmm. but we we know where he left off in Revenge of the Sith, leaving Anakin to die and Mustafar. Um, well, I, I suppose if you read the novelization of Revenge of the Sith, you get a little bit different context about it. Like he knew Palpatine was almost. Oh there, yeah, yeah. No, know? I I always think of that. <laughs> um, yeah, but then you have obviously what happens in a new hope, but what happens between there, right? It's him dealing with his failures, uh, him realizing that the, the, the dude that he loved more than anybody else, because Obi-Wan does love Anakin, mm-hmm. um, for, for all his talks about, um, I, you know, I'm sure we'll probably get into the clone wars at some point at some time, mm-hmm. uh, because it seems to always come up. But when one of the things that I, did find intriguing about that series was you, you go through how Obi-Wan felt about Anakin, um, especially in the tie-in novels, which I like a lot more than the movies. Yeah. But, uh, um, I mean, you get the sense, especially I read, I've read all of the dark horse comics that led up from attack of the clones to revenge of the Sith. And you get, there is a volume of it when they collected them originally, all the Republic comics, they called it When They Were Brothers. And okay. you, you get that feel. And it, it's like, you know what's going to happen, what, they know that they're not telling every, uh, telling each other everything, but they have an idea of, of sort of, like, uh, Obi-Wan, that's, he puts, kind of starts to put two and two together about, Anakin and Padme in that that's also in that volume is when Luke and Leia are conceived. I mean, if, Oh, nice. Yeah. That, that happens anything, in a, I haven't read that. Is there anything, anything graphic in there? Or? No, um, they're oh. having bre- They're having like a early morning breakfast, uh, at the lake house and on Naboo. And they're like scantily clad a little bit and like their bathrobes and Obi-Wan drives up and was like, Oh, there you are, Anakin. We have things to do. <laughs> Well, and that and, is one thing that I, uh, like I said, I, I have a lot of issues with Saloni's Clone Wars, mm-hmm. but some of the tie-in novels, I think it's Wild Space. Um, the beginning of Wild Space, like, takes place as they're being transported from where they battled Dooku, like, back to the Jedi Temple. Oh, to, yeah. Like, I have not read all of Wild Space yet, but I have read Stealth and Siege, which are the follow-ups to that. Gotcha. Which we'll, we'll talk about in the bit. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> how so I feel about he, those. So in that very beginning, you see Obi-Wan and Anakin and Padme. And uh, basically Anakin and Padme are showing Obi-Wan that they love, they're in love and they love each other, right? Mm-hmm. Right in front of him. And they get back to the temple. Anakin's obviously getting healed by the healers. Mm-hmm. And Padme is like refusing. She's like won't she was trying to get in there and obi-wan comes up and basically tells her hey i i know what's going on between you two this has to end you can't do this he's a jedi Mm -hmm. you need to stop 
and she basically says, okay, she lies to him, and he kind of takes her word for it. Um, yeah. And so it's very interesting because An- Anakin feels resentment towards Obi-Wan for what he tried to do, and then he starts feeling resentment towards Bail Organa, I think, in that book as well because of his closest to Padme. It's, it's, it's interesting. I really enjoyed them. Okay. Do we want to get into the, the topic of this discussion? I don't know. I don't, this isn't something I like to talk about, but you, you dragged me on this podcast and you're going to make me make this <laughs> because declaration. My number five, we're getting into my number five right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's do it. All right. So the reason we're having this discussion at the top of the half hour here, technically 28 minutes, but you know, who's counting is the top five things we don't like about the expanded universe. And I want to put this out here. Ryan and I fundamentally love Star Wars and we love the EU. Am I right? Agreed. This is very tough <laughs> for both of us. I was sitting here like as before we started recording, I, I was telling you, I'm like, dude, I, I'm trying to kind of come up with a fifth one. I'm trying to come up with a fifth one because I, I don't like talking about the things I dislike because mm-hmm. although the EU is so huge, man, there's yeah. so many books, so many comics, it's impossible to like everything. Um, but you tend not to focus on the stuff you don't like because there's another incredible book right around the corner. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, this year, I've said it sev- for several podcasts, has been some of the worst Star Wars reading I've done happened early this year. From both mm-hmm. the new canon, mainly the new canon. Um, but also, I read some of the, I read, in my opinion, the worst expanded universe novel I've ever read. I read this year. Um, so, I'll start off with number five. And that is, it's something specific, and that is Obi-Wan falling in love is something mm. I fundamentally hate. So, originally, Obi-Wan did have someone he loved, but he chose the Jedi Order over her. And goddamn, I can't remember her name off the top of my head. In the Jedi Apprentice series? Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of it now that you said that too. Um, yeah, yeah, but you're right. He he has he has a relationship. He's basically in love with her. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I mean Qui Gon had someone he loved too. Um, he loved Tal, and that of course did not go well for him. Actually, in both canons, Qui Gon's had uh, someone he loved because they talk about someone in uh, Master and Apprentice that he he dearly loved and it did not go well, but it's left in the shadows. I'm sure Claudia gray will come back to it in like a couple years. Oh yeah. And make us sit along with her sequel to lost stars. Just make us sit and wait for it. So then what, what did you think of uh, Satine Duchess Satine? So I have to say when the Mandalorians got introduced, I quit watching the show while it aired. Mm. I was so furious with the misrepresentation of Mandalore because not only was I a huge fan of how the Mandalorians were in the old Republic and how like from like when I first was introduced with them in the, uh, the Sith war tales of the Jedi, the Sith war and how awesome they were. But also I had, I think I had read some of Republic commando hard contact, which we talk about some of the Mandalorian lore and that. Karen mm-hmm. Travis is really into that sort of thing. That was her bread and butter. 
yeah. along with post nine eleven Star Wars, but we'll get into that in a bit. Um, <laughs> um, but the Mandalorians to me were this warrior race, and the fact they were pacifists was truly baffling. It was such a strange thing to do, um, and uh, God, I just don't get it. Satine as a character to me is fine. But that Obi-Wan literally says in an episode that he would have left the order for her just baffled me to no end. I I, I totally agree. And then we have the character in Stealth and Siege that, oh gosh. Like the the one that's sick? Is that what you're talking about? And that... Well, she's what? not his lover. They make it. Um, Karen Miller makes it sound like they were head over. He was head over heels in love with her in stealth, and then it's like she backpedals in siege and is like, "Yeah, we were just friends with benefits." It kind of just seems like they they truly love each other as friends. That's how I like got it. I still like, didn't. I, I I didn't see like a really. It's definitely a very close personal relationship that would be frowned upon in the Jedi Order mm-hmm. at that time, but I, I don't. I, yeah, I don't know if they were intended to be um, together. Together. Yeah, uh, Damson. That's her last. Uh, her name's Damson. Yeah, Master Damson. Yeah. I don't well, know. She's just like slowly dying. Yeah, she ate that shellfish that was poisonous, which is so <laughs> stupid on so many levels. Uh, but then again that's why it's a day full and a clone wars tie-in <laughs> yes but no i just don't get it it takes away from obi-wan because the the whole thing i got from obi-wan and anakin's relationship from the from the expanded universe standpoint is anakin could never tell obi-wan that he and padme were married because obi-wan would never understand because obi-wan told anakin like many years ago that he did love someone, but he chose the order over, over her. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that does make sense. And if he had all these experiences, was he just hiding all of that from Anakin? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but I mean, like, we can't just say Filoni's Clone Wars never happened. It's there. It is there. And you have to, I, I have this talk with. Uh, a lot of people, I think that when people decide to have like their own head cannons or whatever, that's fine if that's what you want to do. But, like to me, I do think you have to take it or leave it as a whole. Um, Cause it, it's part of, you know, what Lucasfilm says is the expand universe. And I think you have to go off what they say. Now you can not enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, no, there's a lot of people that don't enjoy it. There's a lot of people that don't enjoy crystal star or dark saber, but it is part of it. Yeah. I love, Unfortunately, I love both of those though. I really like Dark Saber, to be honest. I really love Crystal Star. I think Waru is the strangest thing, and it makes me laugh that that's in Star Wars. <laughs> Mainly because the Geeks Attic hates Waru, and um, we started a campaign back in 2016 for Waru running for president. Oh man, he's gonna put a wall around Disney and make Bob Iger pay for it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's man, an old that's joke. Funny. That <laughs> uh, is funny. That's a real, real uh, legend joke right there. But yeah, what's your number five? Um, so I think that my number five would probably be the old Marvel comics. Um, oh. You know, al- although recently I got more into them uh, because, you know, we had the release of Marvel 108. Yeah. Um, 
you know, which continued that story, which was really exciting for anyone who's a fan of the Star Wars Expanded Universe. <laughs> um, however, like, looking back and reading some of those old things, I really, um, I just liked the Dark Horse stuff. Like, Oh, yeah, well, I mean, like, they, the Marvel stuff was for kids, for one thing. Um, also, they did not care about that art. Yeah, the, it was... Until it, Empire Strikes Back happened, they did not care about that art, except for the annual, probably because Chris, Chris Claremont wrote that and demanded good art, which that first annual is so tedious to read. I'm not a big fan of Chris Claremont old X-Men, like his early X-Men stuff, because it's so, so wordy. And to me, a comic book, less is more. You want to express it with the art. There's a there's a fine mix of things, unless it's Frank Miller's Sin City, which that is basically half the time a novel, and that it just has pictures on the side. <laughs> but like, it, I don't know. Like, I like Ar- the Archie Goodwin stuff, which he wrote the early stuff, because he and George were so inter- intertwined with writing that together. Well, George was writing Empire. He was like, he read all the, he read all the comics. I mean, he did that through Dark Horse too. He read all of the comics. He was such a huge comic book fan. And you can see that with Archie Goodwin and they got along really well. And Archie Goodwin was going to write a story about another Death Star and George Lucas told him no. <laughs> that That's nice. Um, there is one author who, it was, he started writing after Empire Strikes Back and he kept giving Luke a lightsaber when Luke hadn't built a lightsaber yet. And I don't like that guy because he just doesn't care. But uh, Mary Jo Duffy took over after that and she wrote it till the end. And her stuff's like 50-50. So yeah, there's some there's some crap in there, but there's also some good stuff. Lamaya comes from that. And I, I that, like that. That is true. Lamaya. That is one great character that really did come from that. So Yeah, that's that's probably like the big takeaway from that. Also, Luke Skywalker in the Shadows of Mindor is extremely enhanced if you read the later stuff. <laughs> sort of ties yeah. up a bunch of loose ends with that. I was talking about Chris Nelson with uh, Shadow of Mindor the other day and how like no one seemed to care about that book. I don't um, care for it in a lot of regards, but it has the Matthew Stoke. So I don't like Matthew Stover. He's not in my top five. I wouldn't even put him as a dishonorable mention, but Matthew Stover makes some of the most boring space battles I've ever read in my life because hmm. he'll be like, oh, this is how the hyperdrive works in a tie advance. And this is how the shields work in a tie defender. And it's like, I don't, I don't give two craps about that. If I wanted to read about how ships work, I'd read a Star Trek novel. <laughs> it is not my my forte to listen to how ships spaceships work in Star Wars. Gotcha. But, but go on. <laughs> um. Well, I think that we talked about a little bit too how grand the scale of everything got, and then all of a sudden when you go back in time to this random event where you there's no stakes for anyone because it's like, Oh, like the beginning, they're like, make this big thing. Like, Oh, Luke Skywalker is getting court martialed. It's like, Oh, what are they going to do? Put him in prison. I, I don't think so. Uh, I think everything will be all right. So it kind of just takes away from the possibilities of that story and lessens the stakes a little bit. Yeah. Like much like I actually recently did a review of death troopers for Halloween. Yes, you did. <laughs> yeah. And so that, and that was one of the things that I said, I, I wasn't a big fan about is when, um, in the middle of it, 
Han and Chewie get introduced. Yeah, um, it, considering, so when I read Death Troopers, I thought it happened closer to A New Hope than it actually does. And I thought they got arrested because they lost that shipment for Jabba. I thought that was why they were in there, and that's not the case. So, like, I get where you're coming from. Yeah, it's like five or ten. I don't know exactly. It's like five or ten years before. It's a long time before. Yeah, because and I think it's before Rebel Dawn, the last AC Crispin book. But I could be yeah. wrong. I think it's after those books. It's I'm after Brian Daly's stuff. I know that. That's true. Um, but yeah, so it's just like, once those characters get introduced, I'm like, oh, well, I know they're going to survive. Like, uh, I would, I would have rather a, a book where everyone just freaking died. Like, uh, that's what I was hoping for when I started reading it. I still do think it's good and it's different. Uh, it's a different thing for Star Wars. But, uh, yeah, overall, when that happened, I just kind of rolled my eyes. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. I love the book. I thought it was disgusting. And lovely. I hate Red Harvest. I don't, I take that back. I don't hate Red Harvest because there's Sith alchemy in Red Harvest and it's a good example of it in in the novels, which you didn't see a whole lot of. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Dylan's worn me out on that one because he likes that book and I don't. I don't like that audiobook, I can tell you that. It's one of the worst audio performances I've ever heard since Scott Brick in Jurassic Park as Dr. Ian Malcolm screaming about chaos theory. You know, I don't like the guy who reads it, but I do like the sound effects in it. Um, in Death Troopers or Red Harvest? Or Death Troopers. Sorry, are you talking Red Harvest? Red Harvest. Death okay. Troopers is fine. Um, I listened, it's so funny, it was the first Star Wars audiobook I ever listened to, and I was taking Christmas lights down. And it took me like all day because uh, I had I was just taking Christmas decorations down and I listened to that in like one sitting. Nice. So like I don't know I wasn't paying so much attention to how the person spoke because I was fairly new to audiobooks at the time. But um, Red you Harvest get, you is didn't worse. Get that Mark Thompson experience. I didn't get that Mark Thompson experience till aftermath. That was the first experience I ever had with Mark Thompson. Oh, Him man. trying to save that book. Yeah, that's. It's sad that that man was forced to read that. He probably got paid well. I'm sure he did. <laughs> <laughs> so what's what's your what's your fourth one then? Oof, my fourth. Uh, certain characters getting ignored in the expanded universe. This is one I share with Matt. Matt, uh, I personally love Lando. There isn't enough Lando in the expanded universe. Yeah, he he does get relegated to. He has a fantastic trilogy of books. Yeah, he does. He does, and it's almost like people were too intimidated to write about him after that, because I mean, those are those are some real good stuff. That's the, in my opinion, the best stuff that came in the early Delray era before Bantam. Um, Orlando has the best part of the Black Fleet Crisis. I agree. So I'm going to talk about Black Fleet Crisis later. <laughs> because, the, ooh, yeah. Yeah, Black Fleet. Black Fleet Crisis is a fascinating thing. Um, but uh, other characters, like, get ignored. Um, there are many of the characters from Shadows of the Empire are just kind of left 
alone. Like, yeah, no dash, no dash after a certain point. That's so puzzling to me that we never got more about Dash Rendar. I mean, we got Shadows of the Empire Evolutions, and it's awful. <laughs> the comic's but, just dumb. It was just like, you remember Shadows of the Empire? Well, what if I made a sequel about Guri trying to be a human? <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think I ever read that. That evolution. Uh it has some fantastic art. The cover arts are terrible, but the interior art is pretty beautiful. I must say, nice. for the time, it was when Dark Horse really started to show like fantastic like art. I I personally love it. Um, yeah, check it out. Yeah, like not a lot of Kyle Katarn. Mm-hmm. And Kyle Katarn was very popular. It's like you have a very popular character, and then suddenly you just throw that character aside. Yeah, so I'll, that's actually that's actually my number four too. Basically, as uh, mine's a little different. Mine was mostly focused on more standalone stuff from characters that get introduced in the New Jedi Order. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, that's like uh, Kip Duran. And although he was introduced earlier, you know, Corrin Horn, once he really becomes a full fledged Jedi, mm-hmm. we have I Jedi, which I absolutely love. Mm-hmm. We talked about that a little bit. You don't like the first person stuff. Yeah, um, I don't like the the formatting of it, but like. If it were third person, that'd be a fantastic story. Right. And so I, I just, I, there were so many characters that um, we got introduced to and uh, just kind of fell by the wayside. Like you said, Kyle Katarn, he just becomes part of the Jedi Council that has a random line here or there in council meetings and does, you know, Kyle gets one big moment in Legacy of the Force when he gets sent to, uh, you know, to capture and also plant the tracking device on Jason. And that's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah. And Kip Duran's the same way. Kip Kip has some great uh, little stories in New Jedi Order, but then once you move past, he just becomes uh, another member of Luke's Master Squad. Yeah. uh, It's almost like with New Jedi Order, you had so many characters, that, and they're just there. They're just in the background in like Le- Legacy of the Force and Fate of the Jedi. They're just there. Exactly. Yeah, that, that, that was the weird thing. And I, I get like, there's only so many things you can release. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I get that. And maybe not everyone was clamoring for a Kip Duran story, but I was. So, uh, you, you want to hear my number three? Yeah, let's hear it. The later Zahn books. And what I mean by this is Zahn hit a, wrote some of the best Star Wars books we ever we ever got. We got Heir of the Empire, Dark Force Rising, Last Command. You've been talking about them. We already talked about how fantastic they are. We then we have Hand of Thrawn, the Hand of Thrawn duology, which serves as, in my opinion, as a stepping stone out of Bantam into Del Rey. Mm-hmm. To me, it is the the ultimate like send-off. End of an era. End of of an era. And then we get we get Outbound Flight, which I love. I love Outbound Flight. I've been reading that recently, too. I I have this bad habit of losing the book I'm reading, and then I have to pick up another one and read it, and then I lose that and find the previous book I was reading, so it takes me forever to read stuff. You just get to donate that next one to Twin Sons, so... (laughs) So, Outbound Flight is pretty cool. It's really interesting prequel. 
Um, Survivor's Quest, eh? Mm-hmm. It's, it's okay. Yeah, but I then agree. You, then you get into Allegiance and Choices of One, where Zahn doesn't feel like feeling his can- uh, following his canon that he has established. <laughs> and so he's like, oh, it's uh, Pelion and uh, Thrawn. Uh, I want them to, to hang out together. Well, uh, uh, Mr. Zahn, they, they can't. They can't do that. Oh, um, uh, they're going to talk over a calm. So no, we have... I just want these two characters together. That's what I really want. Oh, Mara's there and Luke's there. They kind of feel each other in the force, but they can't meet yet. And it's like that crap for two books. Yes, I, I, I do agree. I A lot of people love those books, I think, just because they like Mara. It's nice to see Mara pre the Thrawn trilogy. It's cool. Um, but I, yeah, I, I agree with you. It, it didn't seem like it made sense to uh, me. Also, uh, I'm not a fan of Mara being at Jabba's palace. And oh, really? Yeah, no, I'm not a fan of that. Uh, I mean, I, I why I would she like have been that. stopped? That's the thing. Cause I, I think of Mara as a very powerful force user, even at that time, she could have just killed them all. I just, I, well, I kind of disagree. Well, I guess we get a different perspective after we get, you know, Allegiance a choice of one. But I, I think that um, even her herself, she she kind of says that she's not the most powerful force user um, mm. and that that wasn't really the base of her training. She obviously had that telekinetic link um, with Palpatine. Yeah. But she was more just like this well-rounded, you know, uh, uh, this well-rounded infiltrator assassin person. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. You would think that she could probably find a way onto that barge, but I suppose it just all depends how it played out. And don't get me started about scoundrels. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, it, it was kind of, it seemed like it was trying to be like an Ocean's Eleven. It's, to me, it's fundamentally offensive that AC Crispin's, what AC Crispin, we will not spoil, uh, AC, the end of AC Crispin's Han Solo trilogy. That's one of, <laughs> you know how Lucas had certain rules on things in the EU that couldn't be said. I, I refuse yeah. to spoil that trilogy <laughs> on, on this podcast because it, it what Han how Han screws Lando over makes so much sense for Empire Strikes Back, mm-hmm. and the fact that Zahn said, "Ah, F it, we're gonna have them together again." He just kind of got full of himself. <laughs> he did, bit. and uh, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna leave out his new canon stuff. That's not the basis of this talk. Yeah, it's not. I'll say this: it's not the greatest stuff, but it's it's fine. It's fun to read. Yeah, and it doesn't like. So I have read um, some of the new Thrawn, the new Thrawn trilogy, which and... doesn't feel like a trilogy at all. No, it doesn't. And it's it's okay. Like, it is kind of Thrawn, but it's kind of not, too. Which I'm okay with. I'm, I was absolutely okay with Thrawn being different in the novel Thrawn. If you're going to pull a, can- a person from the EU, make his character a little different. Or just don't. Or don't. <laughs> just, I mean, but don't. if you're going to, to try to save your show that has this tanking in uh, views... Then, then do something a little different. 
I mean, they, he's not the only one they pulled from Zon's canon. Rook's in there, and uh, Pelion's in there. Oh, yeah. And Rook is a... Uh, can we swear on this channel? Yeah, go for it. I'll just yeah, throw Rook, Rook is a little bitch. Rook is a little bitch in Rebels, and so is Thrawn. The idea that Thrawn would get run around by this ragtag group of idiots and a ghost is just disgusting. He would have crushed them. <laughs> this is the dude who's supposed to bring the New Republic to their freaking knees? Are you kidding me? Like, get out of here with that. I hated him in Rebels. And that's the problem with, that's the problem with Zahn's Thrawn trilogy, is no matter what he does in that... Thrawn will eventually become the person that he is in Rebels, who is a bitch. Well, I mean, and have you read the second and third book? No, I have not. The I've second the book, uh, do you want me to spoil? Yeah, there's not spoiling Disney so, canon. So Thrawn alliances to, is, Thrawn loses at the end of season three of Rebels. Emperor's pissed at him and is also pissed at Vader and sends them off to a planet that Thrawn and Anakin met at in the Clone Wars. <laughs> So you have this story that is truly baffling. It's the worst thing that Zahn's ever written, um, where we have Anakin goes to this planet in the Clone Wars after he's lost Ahsoka because Padme's disappeared. And he runs into Thrawn, and they have to team up to find Padme. Oh, Thrawn's doing things for the Ascendancy that's never made sense of and never really mentioned again. Oh, don't worry, we're going to get a whole new Chist Ascendancy trilogy. Oh, yeah, so. which was getting talked about in Thrawn Treason. Uh, but in Thrawn Alliances, we have the worst use of Anakin's force power of, set, uh, they call it double vision. And Anakin or Vader will say, double vision, multiple blaster bolts coming at me, double vision. It's like the worst way to ever write someone using the force. What the hell? I was craving Chuck Wendig's wibbly wobbly TIE fighters by the end of it. It was so irritating. So we have that. We find out that Chiss... Young Chiss are born with something called second sight, and some of them are even rarer are born with third sight. It's for the force ability to navigate through hyperspace without a nav computer. The Chiss don't what? have nav computers. They have force-sensitive children navigate their ships for them. God, I don't want to know anymore. This is so stupid. We get into Thrawn Treason. Which, oh, at the end of Thrawn Alliances, Thrawn may or may not know that, uh, figure out that Darth Vader was once Anakin Skywalker, and he taunts Vader with it. But they have a respect for each other for reasons. And then they set up a new Vong sort of species called the Grisk that aren't as cool as the Vong. Well, in Th yeah, Thrawn, Tril Thrawn Treason, the Shiss Ascendancy and the Empire team up to destroy the Grisks. Because we had to explain why Thrawn is missing through most of season four of Rebels. <laughs> and then it ends with the Emperor telling uh, Thrawn his plan to capture Ezra, which falls terribly wrong for the Empire because uh, Ezra Bridger has plot armor. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's I just hate him. I hate him. Oh, Ezra? I hate Thrawn in Disney canon. Oh, he's he's bad in Rebels. I, I think he's he's acceptable in the Zahn books, but in Rebels, it's just baffling. Um, he's not as bad as some of the other characters in Rebels. Actually, to be honest, and we'll get into this, I prefer Rebels over Clone Wars. Hmm. If I have to pick one, Rebels seem to have a plot that didn't waver. Whereas Clone Wars in season three completely falls apart and they start show, airing episodes out of order. 
Yeah, I didn't. I didn't get that. Yeah. Well, they stopped that because people hated that shit. Yeah, no one knew it was going on. Yeah, I mean, they're having prequel episodes to that awful movie Filoni directed. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, I this is actually my number one. Mm-hmm. Um. But I will talk about it now. Um. And that's TCW. Uh. Yeah, that's my that's my number two. Perfect. Let's let's talk about it. So, TCW. If you're someone who has just watched the movies, mm-hmm. um, I can understand why you might like it a lot. Now, that being said, even if you're just someone who likes the movies, I can also see why you wouldn't, like, why you'd still have issues with it. Like, the fact that in Revenge of the Sith, we have Count Dooku, who, you know, they meet uh, when, they, when Obi-Wan and Anakin go to save Pal- Palpatine, and, you know... Anakin's, you know, Obi-Wan's, we do it together this time. Anakin's, I was about to say that. My powers have doubled since the last time we met. What was that, three freaking weeks ago? Yeah, I know. So You you fought Dooku how many freaking times in the Clone Wars? Not just that, but can we talk about the movie? Um, yeah, sure. The movie is far worse than the series. (laughs) That is very true. I paid money to see that on the big screen, and I was embarrassed that, well, I was 14, when that came out, I think I was in eighth grade because that was the same year Kingdom of the Crystal Skull came out. Ooh, rough, rough. I saw them within a week of each other, and it was two of the worst cinematic experiences of my life. Up until I saw the second Transformers movie. And then I. Because the Clone Wars, my. They, it was one of the most baffling movies I've ever seen. I don't know why they made it, why it got a theatrical release. Zero the Hut. Um, oh, zero. I when, love... I, when I first got introduced, I thought it was a joke. Like, well, I, you think Jar Jar is bad. Like, anyone that thinks Jar Jar is bad and then you get introduced to zero the hood. Like, <laughs> how? How can anyone Do you remember that? the episode of Nashadar where they have the hut, um, the huts like are there families. and they're just stereotypes of Italian gangsters from movies? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they all have different haircuts and shit. One, one's Al Pacino's Scarface, the other one's um, The Godfather. It's, oh, I think there's a Ray Liotta one, too. <laughs> so awful. There's so, there's so many bad moments. Why um, does Zero speak Engl- uh, speak basic when all the other huts speak Hatties? Because he likes to speak like this. I mean, I just, why do we have so cringe? Ahsoka's the worst in that movie. She's unbearably obnoxious. In the first several seasons of Clone Wars, she is terrible. Um, I do think she gets better. You know, she's better around season four. Yeah, like as when as she starts wearing more on, clothing, she starts being tolerable. As she. As the series goes on, I think it gets better. Um, as it, it matures kind of along with its audience, I don't know if that was the intent, but that's what happened. Well, they had to do something because those kitty episodes are unbearable. They really are. I mean, at, uh, C-3PO and R2-D2 trying to find the cake for Padme, that was an episode. And even, like, so there's... one, Especially early on, you have these battles. Uh, they make it seem like it's these big battles, and it's like the battle droids are all just lined up in this like small little square formation. Mm -hmm. And and it's like, it doesn't make any sense. Um, I I don't know. 
So I mean, this is, that's when I, I listen to people who try try to say that like Filoni is like would be the savior at Lucasfilm. And although I do think that Filoni is better than a lot of things we're getting, one, he's only done one live action thing, and we're about to see how that was in Mandalorian. And two, Oof. like, you know, he has I do think that he truly does have a, a passion for Star Wars. But he's a casual. Think... That's the thing. He's yes. he's a casual fan who talks about the covers. We make fun of Dave Filoni on here on a regular basis. I, I think I had to make it a point to not make fun of the Clone Wars on here because it got stale after 20 episodes. Yeah, it's uh, kind of easy pickings. I mean, it's just, because the, there's effort put into that show. In just, 100%. There's effort to make everyone's lightsaber style um, look different. And I appreciate that. But you should focus on having a good story instead of having, like, good lightsaber battles. And well, it, it has moments. It definitely has some great moments. Oh, like, I mean, like, some of, the, some of my favorite Star Wars characters come from the Clone Wars. I love Hondo. I love Cad Bane. Fives. Rex. Like... The clones, the clone stories to me are fantastic. Yeah. Okay. I mean, the Teth, Teth was like kind of a cool battle in the movie. Although, unfortunately, it gets bogged down with Anakin and Ahsoka competing with one another. Yeah. That's stupid. I the, the Listen, the entire, this is one of the main issues. The entire idea that Anakin has a Padawan is ridiculous. Like, let's it, just be real. It is. It is awful. It doesn't make any sense for his character. They try, I think they realized that a couple seasons in, and that's why we have the ah Ahsoka's fall. Imagine, imagine, like, being like, wow, this Padawan's really tough to deal with. Let's give it to another person who's really tough to deal with, and then after years and years of this, not let him become a master. Like, it, it's so stupid. I guess you can say that since she left the Jedi Order, maybe he failed. So that's why one of the contributing causes into not making him a master. Uh, it just, it doesn't make any sense. You can try to explain it away, but it doesn't make sense. I don't care. You know, George Lucas had a big part in creating that movie. I don't think he had a very big part in the TV series overall. No, he approved but, every episode, which those right. episodes contradict the movies. Yes. Um, General, General Grievous, like... Come on, how many times did Obi-Wan fight Grievous in that? I mean, and to then, be... The, and then Revenge of the Sith... They um, fight again, and it's like, you oh... You fool! I've been trained in the Jedi arts by Count Dooku! Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know. We've fought, like, eight times, bro. Or, um, at the end of the movie, Anakin and Dooku have a solo duel. Yeah. That is only stopped because Ahsoka's getting killed by Magna Guards. <laughs> It's like, it's, so that's what it allows Dooku to escape. Or um, we have on Naboo, uh, Anakin and Dooku fight, I think it's like season four. Um, that uh, in front of Palpatine. So we redo that scene from Revenge of the Sith. And yeah. it's so weird. Or um, any Jar Jar episodes unbearable in that show. <laughs> You were in season six, the lost episodes where Mace Windu and Jar Jar team up and Jar Jar has that girlfriend and she's even more annoying than Jar Jar. Yes, 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 yes. Oof. <laughs> that that's bad. Um, gosh, 
Boba Fett is done terribly in that he just everyone gets the jump on Boba Fett. What? Well, well, and, and before you say he, it's because he's a kid, he's we had kid, the Boba yeah. Fett young adult books where he held his own against Dirge. He mm-hmm. he held he held his own for a short period of time against Grievous. He nearly gets killed during that, and it's thanks to Anakin that he survives. Um, yeah. And he was actually planning to kill Mace Windu, which they rip off again in Clone Wars. Yeah. Uh, and and that, the idea, well, that whole thing is, is stupid. But then you ha- have uh, the this Mandalorians. This is why it's my number one. This is why it's my number one. <laughs> you have the Mandalorians... Um, are peace loving a peace loving nation except for Death Watch, which I thought Death Watch was already destroyed at that point. I thought Django killed the last member of Death Watch in open seasons, but I could be wrong on that part. Um, but like that contradicts everything Karen Travis established in the Republic Commando books. Uh, the fact that she got kicked from Lucasfilm, she got f- really fucked over. During yeah, that, and she, of course, she was an asshole, but that's that's still, yeah, yeah. Oh, Karen. Oh, Karen Travis. We'll never get that Imperial Commando too. Oh no, no, no! God, that um, it reminded me. I was uh, I was watching a playthrough of it the other day, but uh, Republic Commando is such an awesome video game. I've been playing it recently. It's really fun. It nice. still it still holds up. It's actually a smart for first person shooter. Oh yeah, and the, the the different abilities and everything is really cool. Yeah, the um the so that was my, that was my number one and your number two. Yeah. So what's your three? I, my uh my three is gonna be um Mara Jade's death. Oh, and, okay. We can argue and, about this then. Well, and, well, it's not because she died. Um, I don't have an issue with killing her. I don't have an issue with anyone dying in the Star Wars Expanded Universe. Um, my issue is that I think she was used to provide some sign of some kind of gravitas to Jason's uh, ascendance into Sith mastery or whatever. I don't think that it, sh- it should have been Tenelka. Okay, that's what I think. Um, so I, because I, I know they try to establish, oh, well, Mara's the only one that still kind of believed in Jason or, or whatever. Come on. He was never that close. Did he really love Mara? Okay. Uh, I don't think I, so. I view it differently than that. As viewing Legacy of the Force as a whole, it was clear from his betrayal that he and Jaina were going to have to fight at the end. Mm-hmm. But you have to establish that he can't just duel Luke at the end because Jason... We've talked about it before. If Luke and Jason, if Luke had removed the gloves, as Dylan puts it, and fought Jason, Jason wouldn't have stood a chance. You had uh, to put, you had to put Luke in a terrible place that he was worried of falling to the dark side again, and that's why Jaina has to uh, kill her brother. Right. In fact, I was I was a huge fan of how he did it because he's losing. He's losing to Mara. Mara is one of the greatest duelists of that era of Star Wars. Well, in a straight up fight, I do think that Kytus would take her 
easy. Oh, uh, I don't. Um, I don't. If it was, if it came down to the force, uh, we've talked about this before with Jaina and Jason. Jaina's skill level as a fighter is better than Jason's, but Jason is the more powerful force user. Agreed. I think Mara is the better duelist, and that's why he plays dirty with her, makes her think she sees Ben, and then poisons her. Well, the the thing is that Mara knows she can't take Jason. She knows she can't take Jason. That's why she has to go in the cave to even the odds. Um, if it's a straight-out fight, uh, I, I think that Kaidas... I don't even think it's really that close, and that's why Mara runs. Fair enough. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, so... And I do agree, like, that's a, one of the reasons they did it, and I, I get it, but I just... It was cheap to me um, for the loss of that character there. I just don't think that that's what Jason loved most. Like, that's what you had, Lumaya said, you have to sacrifice the thing you love most, blah, blah, blah. And then Jason kind of works it out. He, like, justifies in his mind why that is really the thing that he loved most as opposed to Tenelka or Alana, which he really does love the most. Mm-hmm. So that, that was my issue with it. Well, I don't mind her dying. Also, so. I honestly, I read between the lines, and he was, Lumaya gets blamed for it. Initially. That's such an epic. And, yeah, I and, and I think he figures that he can get rid of Lamaya that way. If he gets Luke to like go remove the gloves and go full on, which that's Rem- awesome. Yeah, the, the scene where he just blitzkriegs her, yeah. pushes her up against the back of the cliff, she starts to fall, he grabs her, and she like looks back at him, and he says, don't worry, I'd never let you fall, pulls her up, and then fucking chops her head off. <laughs> yep. Like, what an epic gamer moment for Luke. <laughs> <laughs> but he puts him in a really dark place um, during that. Also... Him Actually, trying to convince Ben not not to fall to the dark side. That happens in there. Also, ben, poor Ben. Poor Ben in that whole whole series. He gets turned into a, a freaking GA assassin. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I love... <laughs> poor kid. So specifically in Fate of the Jedi, I love Ben Skywalker and his relationship with Luke. That well, yeah, that, that's my favorite part of Fate of the Jedi. Yeah, it, that's also where you get into all the weird stuff I love in Star Wars from West End. Not, oh, not West. Yeah, West End games. That's when they start tying all of the source material together. Is during that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's my be my number three, I guess. So what's your? Where are you on? We said my number two. So we get. Let's get your number two out there. Um, so my number two, I guess I don't even realize, I don't know if this is in really any order other than I hate TCW, but, uh, the Black Fleet Crisis okay. was <laughs> one of the most difficult series for me to get through. It's boring. It is very boring. It's written so, like, uh, there's a high emphasis on, like, fleet stuff, mm-hmm. on seemingly stuff that doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things, but they spend a lot of time talking about it. Yeah, and that's the series where we have someone pretending to be Luke's mom. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the whole time you know that it's, like, not real. So it's like, why? And, you know, because I read this, I read this after, you know, uh, The Phantom Menace. Yeah. uh, And Attack of the Clones. So I'm like, why? okay, I I know Padme is going to be, you know, Luke and Leia's mom. So... You know, maybe that was part of the reason that you know I couldn't suspend my disbelief. 
So yeah, I feel it. Um, and I know Matt's gonna hate that because Matt loves Black Fleet Crisis. Matt, okay, so here's the thing with why. Matt. I'll tell a Matt story. He told me when one of the first times we talked because I had just bought Black Fleet Crisis in hardcover, and at the time I bought the first time I bought Black Fleet Crisis, the second time was actually a lot easier. Uh, it was kind of hard to get, and he's like, "Well, that's because it was one of the first three-on-one sci-fi book club hardcovers." He got that hardcover because he wrote um, the author and said, "I can't find your book in the book club size," and he's and the author sent him a copy autographed. Yeah, what the heck, man? <laughs> that was the '90s for you, right there. Yeah, and, that, and that's pretty awesome. I mean, he also wrote uh, Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher letters, and they sent him autographed photos. Well, I've seen them. I know. They oh, yeah, exist. I've seen him too. He's got him like hanging up. He, I mean, him, I've like, I've been up. to his house. So. To oh yeah, you have stayed with him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, I've seen them through the internet. <laughs> yeah. No. He. I mean, he has the room tour video. Um. We podcast. There's a Legends podcast that was recorded in that. Now. Oh. Also, Dylan and I were on Matt's expanded universe. That was fun. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. <laughs> um. God, do we want to jump into my number one? Yeah, let's do it. So there. So first of all, I want to get into some dishonorable mentions. And the the one rule I gave myself for this is my, my number one. If I didn't give me this rule, would be like it's not being. It hasn't been continued yet. Yeah, that irritates me to no end. But that's what we fight for. That's like the easiest thing to say, or like. Well, and I mean, you know, we got one oh eight. We you know, got 108, and it's it's yeah. a moving movement in the right direction, which 108 yeah. was so fun. It was really fun, and it was if, some really good art. If I had just yeah picked up that and read it, and it hadn't meant what it meant, I don't you know I would have been like okay, what a cool story. But obviously, it means so much um, after what's gone on the past five years. Yeah, it, it was a fun one. Um, so we'll get into a couple things I hate. Um, and they're, they're, these don't these are just kind of like irritating things. We talked about this before the podcast. The uh, bantam super weapons. Mm-hmm. I got old <laughs> after a while. We'll just call it bantam tropes. Why does Leia always has to be kidnapped? Uh, why does Luke have to be nerfed every bantam book? Yeah, when people say like Luke Skywalker is so OP in the EU, like man, you must have not seen Luke Skywalker struggling to fend off like six stormtroopers. Like yeah, you obviously haven't read Planet of Twilight. <laughs> that's the worst example of it the whole it was something like he can't use the force on this planet because someone gets struck by lightning it's like what oh yeah the uh and that comes back in fate of the jedi <laughs> yes yes it does it's actually done well in fate of the jedi yeah but um definitely. or uh leia's drugged and fights this dark jedi hut that's also in planet of twilight god that was weird um I, uh, but also, I don't like Clone Jedi Love, which comes in Karen Travis's Republic Commando books. <laughs> Attain and Darman having a baby is just bad fanfic. <laughs> in in books that I might add are really interesting to read and are a nice different take on um on Star Wars. Yeah. But at the same time, we also have the irritating thing of Karen Travis hates writing Jedi, and it's pretty clear in her books. I mean, she she became like the clone person. The Mandalorian she, I mean, person. yeah, that's that was her clones and Mandalorians. That's her bread and butter. If she has a Jedi, they're either 
obnoxious and like annoying because she writes in no prisoners. We'll get into that when we go into what we're reading, but I'll go into it briefly. Ahsoka is such a stick in the mud brat. Well, it's pretty true to her character. So, but I mean, like I just got off of reading stealth and siege where she's like the best part of that, those two books. But Mm -hmm. she, she, because she's interacting with Callistia and, uh, and her Jedi and that Jedi sect that are like rogue from the temple. Right. And, and she's just like baffled by them and like horrified that they're all going to fall to the dark side. And it's like, do we need this every five minutes in this book? Is Ahsoka like genuinely worried about these people for like nothing when they're being attacked by battle droids? It's like, there's more pressing matters right now, but like, right. Karen Travis is like, or it was really annoying in Revelations when you stop, the main story ends, and then we have the epilogue about what the Mandalorians are doing. It's like, Karen Travis, this isn't the point of this book. The point of this book is Jaina and Jason are about to fight to the death, and it's being set, it's just been set up. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> and now we got to talk about the Mandalorians, like. No, no. I did. I did really enjoy the Mandalorian parts of Legacy of the Force. Oh yeah, no, they're refreshing. But it's just that one part was just irritating. Yeah. Um. But yeah, Karen Travis, ugh. and then she called people Tala fans when they didn't agree with her on the forums. Really? That's funny. Yeah, that's a that was a thing. But um, we'll get into my number one. The Force Unleashed. Hmm. I hate everything about the force unleashed i think it's one of the worst things that lucasfilm ever did i think it's the worst thing that lucas arts ever did i think actually i take that back star wars connect is worse as a game (laughs) but force unleashed is so stupid on so many levels we have what we talked about that we hate in the clone wars with anakin having our apprentice i think vader having our apprentice is also stupid um, the, the idea of him having one, it, it depends, right? Cause you, you look at, you look at Vader and you're like, is this even a dude who has any like hope or, or anything at yeah. that point? Or is he just like some shell that is determined that he's just going to follow around Palpatine? And, and yeah. that's, that's something I love that's brought up in shadows of the empire is he is so depressed and bored. Yeah. And he, him fighting his son was the best thing that has happened to him in decades. <laughs> it was the most challenging thing he had ever, like, even though it doesn't look like it, Luke pushed him because Vader's not in his prime anymore. Right. Um, he's more machine than man, but he's killed all of the Jedi, for, uh, essentially, at this point. There are none left. And him fighting Luke is the best thing that's happened to him in years. I think it's cool in uh, Dark Lord Rise of Darth Vader when you like they talk about how he's so limited now mm-hmm. um, with his you know mechanical stuff and he's just constantly in pain and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he's him. Him and Star Killer fighting is stupid. I hate Force Unleashed two even more. But, like, I hated the games are monotonous and everything that I love about Jedi Academy's lightsaber combat is gone in yes, Force Unleashed. 
the fort the lightsaber is like a baseball bat playing on but, hard yeah. in force unleashed 2 i never died in one playthrough and i wasn't even trying um yeah it's so you the fact that in the books sean williams attempts to say that star killer is a terrible duelist but he's so powerful in the force it doesn't work for me um the able he's able to hold off the emperor what yes luke couldn't do that he obviously galen merrick is incredibly op um, the the whole idea of that's how the rebellion was created. That's stupid um, on a whole other level. I agree. That's that's another thing I had a problem with in Rebels. Why do we have Jedi running around before Luke? It takes away from Luke. It's like I don't know. It's so it's terrible game, terrible books by a terrible author. I might add. I hate Sean Williams. He wrote Fatal Alliance, which is the worst Star Wars book I've ever read in my life. Yeah, Fatal Alliance is uh, not my... It's my least favorite of those Old Republic ones, that's for sure. I'd rather read Knight Errant. Ooh. uh, (laughs) I actually... I liked Dawn of the Jedi Into the Void. Like, I think that's... Oh, really? Yeah, because it's different. I would not recommend starting there, but it's... I like like Tim Levin. His Alien vs. Predator stuff is actually really interesting. And uh, it was nice to see him in Star Wars. It, it was a weird writing style, but after reading Aftermath, like it was very easy for me to get into. Um, it was just an unorthodox Star Wars book, and it was a breath of fresh air, in my opinion. Um, I like the Dawn of the Jedi comics more, but uh, yes, Into, me too. Into the Void isn't that bad. Uh, it, it was a nice world-building book. It's just like if you were to like uh, the people that say you should start chronologically with that, I'm like, you must not want people to read the rest because if you read that, it's nothing like Star Wars. No, really. no, it's not. And none of the Dawn of the Jedi stuff is really Star Warsy. In fact, in my opinion, Star Wars stuff doesn't get super Star Wars until Old Republic Annihilation. That is one of the most Star Wars, Star Wars books I've ever read in my life. I loved it, but it is, it is a super weapon. It is... A dude sneaking on there. I mean, he's in his underwear, but like that's like the only difference. And he oh, is destroying a super weapon. It, it's it is really good, and the um the connection between Satil and Jace, and you're like, what? Oh like, yeah, when, yeah. That's it's that, so when good. that's how that book starts, is basically you get told about like. Because I played Star Wars The Old Republic before I read this book, right? And I'm like, oh, Satil Shan, she's a badass. She's Grandmaster, all right. And then I read this book, I'm like, she slept with this dude? What? She had a kid? What? Uh, yeah. So it's kind of mind-blowing. Uh, well, I've never read... I never played the game. Okay. Uh, just reading these books and reading the comic books, I was like, yeah, this is awesome. I don't even know who these people are. This is... But this is okay. I'm I'm completely invested. Yeah, it, it's, it was it was a fun read, but like that is the most that is the first Star Wars book. If you're reading chronologically, that is super Star Wars. Because if if you're reading just the novels, Dawn of the Jedi is really into the void is really weird. Revan is just not good. It's boring, except for Scourge. Scourge is like the awesomest Sith 
in that book. Um, then you got um, Fatal Alliance, which is dog shit. And then you have Annihilation. Like, oh, that's just... Oh, I mean, Red Harvest is in there somewhere, and that's not good either. But yeah, Annihilation. The, the most Star Wars, the Old Republic Star Wars book you'll ever read. Yeah, I agree. It's fun. It's a real fun book. It really is. And I, <laughs> I, I, a lot of people didn't like Revan. Um, I liked the book. I didn't necessarily agree with some of the choices they made explaining his history. But I, I, as far as the book, I, I, I liked it. I, it's fine, except for when Revan or the Jedi Exile are on there. They're just boring. <laughs> like Scourge and Scourge's plotting and stuff is super incredible. I loved it. I loved him in it. He's just evil, but he has his own ethics of being evil compared to the other Sith. Yeah. It was nice. But yeah, Force Unleashed, number one worst. Worst Star Wars. Yeah, I, I can can get behind that, it's, I suppose. It's bland. Yeah, maybe not as my number one. Tone Wars is my number one all time. But yeah, yeah well, I, I, the, it got a lot of... Like yeah, Norman the fact George Lucas it. supported it so much it makes it more offensive to me. This was the yeah. second Shadows of the Empire. It had its own toys. It had all this stuff, and I don't think it was deserved. There were, yep, agreed. There were plenty of other games that deserved that over Force Unleashed. I mean, Jedi Academy got nothing. Bounty Hunter got nothing. I always wanted a Kamari Vosa action figure. Dude, I love Kamari Vosa. Kamari Vosa is awesome. I actually did, uh, what is it? I actually did a stream where I played through the first, like, chapter of Bounty Hunter the other night. I think I'm going to start doing that late night, um, because I got it for PS4, and it's okay. such a fun game. It is. Uh, have you ever beaten it? Oh, yeah. Okay. You're the only other person I know who's beaten it. What? Really? I, Everyone I probably... gets stuck in the prison, and I don't get it. I mean, I got stuck there as a kid. I played through it maybe like 10 times or something when I, I was felt, a kid. I played it on GameCube. I had it on PS2. I played through it once. I actually, I re-roofed a roof with my dad to get that game because it was out of print at the time. I, yeah. I re-roofed, I put shingles on a roof in a pouring rain to get that game. I bought it, when I bought the GameCube, it came with that. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Came awesome. with that, and I bought Super Smash along with it. Oh, Brawl. That's a good game. Uh, Melee, I think. Oh, Melee, my bad. Brawl's yeah. on Wii. Yeah. Both, I, I love. I love both of them. Melee's better than Brawl, though. Yeah, but I, I guess I guess we'll see what happens when I get to the prison if I get stuck. But, yeah, I, I've completed that whole thing. Also, the, the duel with Kamari Vos. I hated the Bando Gore, dude. I was so scared, man. Yeah, they're freaky. They were, I like they, them in Mall Lockdown. Like, they're like freaking zombies, and they just like stand there, and then they just like run after you relentlessly. Use, use the flamethrower. Flamethrower oh, and jetpack. You just gotta watch your levels. Don't fist fight them. That's what I would do. I would uh, I would try to find something to hop on, and then flamethrower them. Yeah, uh, you just line them up, and you just continuously flame because sometimes they'll run in a line, and you just yeah burn them all. My, uh, that stream, like, got immediately copyright claimed, uh, for John Williams music. Are you serious? Yeah. That's stupid. The Star Wars theme, yeah, it's ridiculous. I was just playing a game. Gosh. Freaking. I guess he can have the, the 50 cents. <laughs> Are you even partnered? Uh, yep, I am. Okay. 
Okay, yeah. that makes a little more sense. You're not like Matt. Matt's not partnered at all. Yeah, Matt's the only person in the world who's demonetized his YouTube channel by himself, I think, maybe. <laughs> um, but yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm monetized, so, you know, uh, if you get a video that does a thousand views, I might get like a dollar or something. Yeah, or a dollar yeah no, I remember when partnering, I've, I've been on YouTube since like pretty much the beginning, not with this channel, but with another channel I used to have. So I remember when there wasn't partnering, and then I remember when partnering happened, and then I remember when they, YouTube decided, hey, everyone can be partnered with Google, and maybe you make money, and then you find out you don't make money. But they sure as shit make a lot of money. <laughs> partnering sucks. Yeah, I mean, it's... It, it's good if you consistently get a lot of views, but also be careful when it's tax time. You're self-employed. Oh, yeah, you're self-employed. Technically, it's a 10.99 if you're in America. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't make enough money to really worry about anything like that. Yeah. But, yeah. No. Yeah. Um. What was that? Yeah. Uh. Do we want to talk about what we're reading right now? Um. Sure. Um. One thing I'm in the middle of is Dark Force Rising. Of course. I do need to get that. Um. I need to get that finished up for the book club that we're doing about two weeks from now. So that's mainly what I'm focused on. Uh, a couple things that I have set aside that I want to reread right now are uh, one of the things we talked about earlier, I think off air was Jedi Academy trilogy. Yes. Um, I, it's been a while since I've read those and uh, I want to reread those mostly so I can reread I Jedi. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You should read tales of the Jedi too. If he can get a, ha- a hold of it. Cause I mean, Ooh, yeah. that's that establishes Jedi Academy right there. Uh, did you ever read the comic book sequel to the Jedi Academy trilogy called Leviathan? Yes, with uh, with Kip and Doris Gaty Wan going to Co- uh, Corbus. Uh, so I read that first. Like besides oh. my parents, my parents read the the trilogy. I think my dad read Jedi Academy to me because he was like, I was talking about Exar Kun and Tales of the Jedi. He's like, Hey, I remember t- reading that to you and. And uh, the Jedi Academy trilogy. I'm like, oh yeah, like as a little, little kid, but I didn't remember it that well. My parents bought me Jedi Academy Leviathan, like the graphic novel. And I read that and I'm like, this is really awesome and weird, but like, I don't know what's going on. So I went back and read Jedi Academy. Yeah, so you're like, oh, this is cool. Kip Durin, this guy seems really powerful. Wow. And you're like, he just murdered billions of people. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, oh, that's, that's strange. (laughs) kip oh kip the jedi we all would be basically yeah (laughs) he's the most human jedi ever i did a uh i did a lore video um uh in in collaboration with uh, the scoundrels cantina um uh about a week ago but maybe a couple days ago um but that was uh that was really fun I, i did a voiceover and they edited everything up uh, about Kip Duran, and it was really fun to go back and you know that's one of the things that made me want to reread Jedi Academy was doing that lore video and remembering um, the stories. Right on. Right on. Um, I'm in the middle of uh, several books right now. Uh, I'm in the middle of Shadow Hunter, uh, which is really fun, really dark. Um, I'm starting to actually like it more than Mall Lockdown, which I didn't think was possible. So I, I love Mall Lockdown, but Shadowhunter has like more. There seems to be more at stake 
in Shadowhunter than there was in Lockdown. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and yeah, I think so. It's interesting to see I five before uh, Coruscant Nights. What did you think of that series, Coruscant Nights? Mm-hmm. Um, I like the noir sort of elements of it because I'm a fan of noir in general and neo noir, but um, I don't like Jack Pavan. I don't like him either. He's he's know it all, which fits the noir aspect completely. And being someone, we're I, I'm in a class called American Cinema right now. We're studying the uh, the this the whole noir genre, and it is to a T part of that genre, and like his ego and stuff. But yeah, I'm glad Last Jedi exists, the fourth book, and wraps that up. Yeah, I do think it was a step up. I, I didn't like the trilogy. Uh, no, it's a very expensive trilogy. If you want to buy that in hardcover, I can tell you that not as expensive as buying last Jedi by Michael Reeves. I didn't hardcover. even know that that was, uh, that it was in hardcover. It's interesting. They're very rare. They're some of the last uh, sci-fi book club hardcovers. Hmm. I just got last Jedi in hardcover. It was very difficult, but someone, so originally I bought last Jedi in hardcover for like $400. I bought it this time for like 40 because the guy who sold it to me did not know what he had. And I jumped on that immediately. Like, nice. Like, <laughs> I got to have this. But uh, I know Matt, when he listens to this, is like, why, why would Jeremy spend that much money on a bad book? I'm like, because I need that hardcover. I need that hardcover in my collection so I can look at them when I go to bed each night. But, um, yeah, uh... Shadowhunter's fun. Uh, Outbound Flight, I'm a little bit into. It's interesting to see George... How do you pronounce his last name? Uh, Cardas? Yeah. I hear a thousand names. I always pronounce it Kabak, but it's not that. Or sub- Wait, George George Cardas, right? Um, like talent cards mentor and everything? God, I'm, you know what? I'm I'm too confused. We're we're gonna skip this. I'm sounding okay. like a dumbass. <laughs> um, but no, it's interesting to have. It's basically Thrawn the novel, but better, in in a lot of regards, because you get Thrawn's interacting with someone from the Republic instead of the Empire. Right. In the beginning, it's like, oh, I've read this before, and I'm like it made me think, oh. Timothy Zahn, the first half of his book is just a ripoff of a previous book he read. It's almost copy and paste at times. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. It, it, yeah, whenever Thrawn's in there. that But Outbound Fletch is kind of weird. It's just a weird thing. Um, to me, I don't think it's going to explain enough that... Uh, enough questions that were left from why things were the way they were in the Thrawn trilogy. Um, um, and why wait. the clone exists. I don't think that's going to yeah. get explained in here. Hmm. Um, yeah. Um, eh, it's fine. It's fine so far. I'll probably love it or I'll hate it either or. I'm okay. One or the other. No in between. No in between. I don't think it's going to be like, eh, it's okay. 
Um, but right now I'm in the middle of what I'm calling post 9-11 reading. It's Karen Travis's The Clone Wars No Prisoners. So Karen Travis oh, yeah. has this style and I've coined it. There's a term uh, that people use when studying film. There's an era of film. We're still in it technically called post 9-11 cinema. Well, something like The Born Identity is considered post 9-11 cinema. It just changed the way we film things and the American outlook on things. Karen Travis has this th- ability to just like reference the the wars in the Middle East in her, her writings because she was a war correspondent forever and a police correspondent. That's why she knows all the tactical jargon and stuff. That's her expertise. And in this, I mean, we got young Pelion. Uh, we have young Callistia. We have, we, have, we have Callistia in her body still. Right. And her Jedi sect. So she... Karen Travis is bridging Bantam stuff to the Delray stuff, which I love. Uh, so the whole thing is Anakin sends Ahsoka and Rex to Pelion's cruiser to, so he can get Ahsoka out of his hair so he can spend some time with Padme. And Pelion intercepts a transmission from Callistia's Jedi Master, and they're going to rescue an agent on this planet that isn't planet Iraq, but is just Iraq. It's the most, <laughs> and um, they're rescuing her. And there's, because she's a, she's a sleeper agent. No, she's not a sleeper agent. She's just, she's just a spy. And she's in there and she's trying to infiltrate this, uh, this movement that's aligned itself with the separatists and is trying to overthrow the dictator, cough, cough, Saddam Hussein, cough, cough, um, and shit goes wrong and she's being held hostage and she happens to be Pelion's girlfriend and Pelion figures this out and it's like, Oh, we got to rescue her, but he was going to rescue her beforehand. And it's like his professional at his professional standing is being challenged and it's a conflict of interest. And, uh, it's all, all in all, it's an interesting read. Um, Callistia and her Jedi sect are, this are pretty interesting. Ahsoka's a little shit in it. Um, she's not too terrible, uh, but I just got done reading Stealth and Siege, and she's like an actual character in that, and the best part of those books. Oh, uh, the Obi Wan's lovers, Taria Damson, in those books. That's her full name. Oh, okay, I'm I just <laughs> just remember because she and Ahsoka interact and they like team up, and it's like some of the best parts of the book. Those two books are them interacting with one another. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I just came off of that. And that happens later on in the time in the Clone Wars timeline, but not because that Clone Wars timeline is such a mess. So it I keep getting, mess, yeah. I keep getting confused as to how old Pelion is. Cause Callistia looks at him and says like, Oh, he looks like he's in his forties, but he can't be in his forties because he's in his fifties in the Thrawn trilogy. So he's like in his late thirties. Uh, and then they say his, his age or something. And it's just like, just inconsistent. Um, also the planet is just Iraq. In fact, <laughs> I in, never made that kind of connection. Before. Oh, it is, 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 is the, our, the second war in Iraq when we, when Saddam Hussein got overthrown, it, it is just that. In fact, in the audiobook, they all have middle Eastern accents. 
all of the, all the the um the the rebels on the planet. They all, they all have a uh, middle uh, like Arabic accents or whatever. And it's like really <laughs> we we going this far in this. Um, but the the honestly the best parts of the book are it's Rex is one of the main characters, and it's the only novel I can think of where Rex is like you get Rex's thought process. And it makes me, it's like, oh, gosh, I forget how good of a character Rex is. I think in those books, there's, um, I have read them before, but it's been a while. One of the things I remember is they kind of, like, reveal, you get a little bit into, like, Anakin and Obi-Wan and Mace's power levels a little bit. Yes. Um, There's a discussion about this, like, leaping contest that happens at the academy and how yeah that's in siege yeah no it's in set the record mace windu was close behind him and then it was obi-wan yeah um so you kind of get an idea for how powerful obi-wan is and then i feel like there's some moment when they're at like some civilian encampment that's they have like a shield up that like yes they're in a a a village called torbell and they were they disguised themselves as uh as uh, people from the planet, but they're uh, Obi-Wan and Anakin aren't actually. And the battle, uh, Oh God, lock dirt. General lock dirt is the villain in those books. And, uh, he, he's making that bio weapon and yeah, yeah. Uh, he sends the, he has his battle droid siege, the, uh, the village for the whole book. And it's just, it's like Anakin and Obi-Wan nearly die of like radiation poison and, and starvation. Yeah, and Anakin like does like some absolutely like ridiculous level stuff to maintain that shield. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was Star Killer levels of ridiculous. Yeah, which I mean, it's it's Anakin Skywalker. Man. It made I mean, more I, sense I than Star Killer doing it. That's for sure. Yeah. Um. <laughs> but Obi Wan's healing all those people, even though he doesn't know how to do it. That, that's a little weird. I just my problem with those books is why did it have to be Anakin and Obi Wan on the planet? Why did they have to be the main characters? Yeah, and especially with no prisoners. Obi Wan's not even in the book. Um, mm-hmm. Anakin is barely in it. Um, he's going to be getting involved at the end, but it's basically it's a like six clones: Rex, Ahsoka, and Callista, and her team of Jedi are extra- extracting this agent. It's so, it's a short book, but it's like shortened to the point, which is something I like about when Karen Travis does a shorter book. It's like, there's not all the political rambling and like, oh, the Jedi don't care about the clones. The clones are slaves sort of thing. That's not really brought up in this. It is a little because Callistia thinks it's fundamentally, and uh, her Jedi sect think it's fundamentally wrong. They're breeding clones to die. Right. And that makes sense from Callistia's standpoint in that they're rogues from the Jedi Temple. Uh, and it's it's weird. There's sexual undertones in this, like with all of Karen Travis's work. Mm-hmm. It's not as bad in this as like Triple Zero, where clones are hooking up with waitresses and stuff in that. <laughs> uh, it's not, it's almost, it's on par with the end of Triple Zero, do you remember? Have you read Triple Zero? It has been a long time. I read them when they first got released. So um, I don't remember too much about it. I, I was never like, I enjoyed them, but I was never a huge fan of the clone based stories. Like, uh, just based, yeah. 
I, I, I love Hard Contact. Hard Contact is a great novel, but Triple Zero has its moments of just being brilliant. And it, at the end, when Delta Squad, Omega Squad, their, um, their trainers, the Mandalorian trainers, uh, attain the other Jedi and another uh, clone and an ARC trooper, they form this Mandalorian hunting party. And they just go wild in the undercity of Coruscant and they just kill all these terrorists. It's like one of the best parts of the book. They, one of them, uh, six, like this, uh, Mandalorian, like space dog on someone and eats someone. (laughs) It's just, it's like blunt, violent and to the point. And you have that no prisoners too, where Rex just shoots like this rebel terrorist in the face. Like, without mm-hmm. question, the guy like, asks him, like, oh, I'm, I wondered when the Republic will show up, and then Rex just shoots him point-blank in the face. And it's like, damn. Like, like, he does this in front of a Jedi and everything. Like, it doesn't matter what you have to say for yourself. That's I'm just here to get this person out, and I will just do what I need to do to do that. Yeah. And, and like that's just that's it just seemed it was one of those moments that's like so like real life and i was like fuck yeah this is this is what i want in my clone wars book war is hell and karen travis does that like the best in the uh, eu in my opinion yeah i do agree with that she does like show the the brutality and the uh, kind of the reactions of the troopers involved better than anybody else. <laughs> and that was one of the things that was good about Filoni's Clone Wars was you got this personal level of the clones. You know, yeah. even if it did kind of reverse some of the stuff that she did. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. And it's weird. It's so weird uh, to see her write a tie-in to Filoni's show. Because, I mean, she did the movie novelization too, which is actually really good. Um, it references a lot of EU if you've ever read it. Um, yeah. Like, Jabim yeah, is referenced heavily in the beginning. Um, can you say it again? Jabim, the uh, the comic storyline. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Also known as Anakin uh, Stepping Stone to the Dark Side, the comic. Uh, you can, That just reminded me of something from the Clone Wars um, that I wanted to talk about earlier with we were talking about Sabine and there's that one episode where Sabine is being held captive. Right. And, Oh, I know um, exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. And, and Obi-Wan's sitting there and he's like, who are you going to choose? Like, are you going to murder? Are you going to murder me in cold blood? Uh, blah, blah, blah. And Anakin just like walks up behind him and a lightsaber comes through his chest. He's like, I will. And it's like, and, and then they the place Darth the Vader Imperial theme. March a yeah, little bit. Dun, 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 dun. And, he, and Obi-Wan's just like, Anakin, what the hell? And he's like, what? Or remember when he, strangles poggle the lesser yeah and that show too that's like the high those are like the two highlights of season two right there or um when he thinks obi-wan's been killed when they put obi-wan undercover in that weird arc and he like beats up obi-wan thinking that he was obi-wan's murderer or um i anakin has some good moments in that show or uh he beats up uh senator clovis like he just like tries to break his hand with his mechanical hand that was pretty funny. Yeah, I hated Clovis. Clo- Clovis is just a sleaze bag. Did you read Leia? Uh, not Leia. Um, uh, Queen Shadow by E.K. Johnston that came out earlier this year. 
No, I did not. That book's Ambium the book, like nothing happens, but you see, it, it has like a good moment where you see Clovis like starting to hit on Padme and he like literally does these things to help her out so he could sleep with her. And like she rejects him and it like establishes that relationship in Clone Wars. It's like one, one of two highlights of that book. Cause the rest that book literally has no plot. It is the most boring book I've ever like read. Yeah. I, I've read so little of, uh, any of the new canon and the stuff I've liked, I haven't liked, or stuff I've read, I haven't liked. So I kind of stopped reading. That's okay. You're saving a lot of money. That's good. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm at my wit's end with that, that new canon. We got that, um, that new resistance book coming out. I have it pre-ordered on audible. So we'll see if that's actually any good. It'll be the first book that raise a character in, in the adult fiction that isn't a movie tie in. Sweet. Yeah. Mm. Like it's, it's, We'll go off on a little side tangent briefly here. It's like you're not allowed to write about Ray, Finn, or Kylo Ren in the new canon. There's been some post stuff like Resistance Reborn or whatever this is. Right? Yeah, that's it's going to probably be a Poe Leia book, but we're going to have Ray and Finn in it. Mm-hmm. Is what is. Do anything like? I think they'll do something. Like I think it's finally allowed to do that because up until this year. We had one young adult novel called Before the Wa- the Awakening that had Ray and Finn in it. That's it, and it's garbage, and nothing happens. Um, like, and then they show up at in the last arc of the Poe Dameron comic series because they're telling Poe's telling what happened to Black Squadron after Force Awakens and why not all of the actors came back for Last Jedi, like. Charles Soule's like, oh, I got to fix this. This is there's there's people missing that weren't that were in Force Awakens that survived Force Awakens that aren't in Last Jedi. So he starts trying to tie that together. Yeah, and that's what you see. Like, I, I saw a comic pa- panel the other day when they're like, hey, guys, we fixed it. Look, and it's Leia hugging Chewbacca after they get back in a Force Awakens after yeah. Han's died and everything. And it's like, come on, guys, like. What is continuity to you? Yeah, I just... I don't know. Did you, what have you read of New Canon? Um, I read the uh, the first thing that came out, like the Rebels tie-in. Was oh, like yeah. I'm about to review that. Or something. It wasn't... It was okay. Uh, yeah, I, I read that. I read... Um, about half of Chuck Wendig's first book, Aftermath. Um, <laughs> I couldn't get through anymore. It's so poorly written. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I read the first Thrawn book. Okay, so you haven't read the movie novelizations? No, no. It just it just doesn't interest me enough. Yeah, I feel it. Um, if this new Rise of the Resistance book is not good, I will not continue. I'm just like at my wit's end of... Star Wars, and I have so much EU I want to read that I haven't read yet. And it's like, oh, I can't do that. I gotta stay topical. I mean, shit, I haven't released my Thrawn Treason review yet. That's been out for, like, two months. I haven't released my Black Spire. Because they're releasing, like, a book a month. And it's so hard to keep up with it and read EU and stuff. It's like... 
You look at the geeks attic, he's constantly overwhelmed by all the new canon. Yeah, well, he and I, like, complain about it all the time, because there's no quality control, it seems, this year. Uh, I mean, Master and Apprentice was awesome. If you do ever read another new canon book, I recommend that one. Some good Obi-Wan Qui-Gon stuff in there. Nice. That's, like, the only one I recommend. One of the better books I've read this year. It was It's the best new canon I've read this year, that's for sure. That doesn't take much, though. Interesting. But, yeah. Um, anything else you're reading? Um, that's pretty much it. I, like, uh, I'm so... <laughs> I'm pretty overwhelmingly busy right now um, mm-hmm. between work and then um, my channel... Um, I've taken on some, uh, some other responsibilities at geeks and gamers. Um, congrats. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I'm also doing sports wars, which is a, a geeks and gamers affiliate and, uh, trying to make the rounds to, you know, to everybody that I can. So yeah, it's been crazy, man. It's, it's kind of a whirlwind whirlwind. I'm just trying to keep up. I feel it. I'm about to, we're at f- wrapping up pre-production on my next student film right now. So uh, we're going to be shooting a whole lot, so there won't be a whole lot of content on the channel, people. I'm very sorry. But it's going to be good. It's going to be nice, something different for everyone, I will say. Cause, nice. Because, I mean, it's not, it can't just be Star Wars all day, every day. Yeah, exactly. I wish it could be. Um, yeah, yeah, but I mean, like, I, I like my... I haven't done a film in a while, so it's been a couple of years. So this is, if this is successful, it will lead to an anthology series I plan on doing. But that that's something for a different podcast. Yeah, man. Um, but yeah, and I, I talk about other stuff besides Star Wars too. You know, I'm, I'm pretty, uh, pretty into DC Comics. At least I was for a really long time, and I'm still interested in what's going on. So was I. Um, I feel it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I talk about that. Not a lot of people watch those videos when I upload them. Uh, unless it's about the Snyder Cut, um, about releasing the Snyder Cut. That tends to get a lot of traction on my Fuck channel. Fuck the Snyder. Fuck Zack oh. Snyder. Oh. Well, we won't get into that. Oh. Um, oh. Hail to our Lord and Savior, Zack Snyder. Remember Sucker Punch? Oh, yeah, I didn't like that. <laughs> That's what I think of immediately. <laughs> Just being confused. Yeah, I just I, we like I said we won't get into it because it'll uh, <laughs> it'll take a little too long. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you for joining us for another Star Wars uh, Legends podcast. I hope you enjoyed, and join us next time when we talk about something. Um, All right. Have um, a good one, guys. <laughs>